if you're starting at $10 a day, you could probably jump to $100 a day and have that 10x without shocking the algorithm too much. You may have like a couple day where there's a big dip in results, but it'll catch up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Whereas going from $1,000 to $10,000 a day is probably not a good idea. You're listening to the Stuff Marketers Say podcast, guaranteed to give you the best results you've ever seen from start to scale and beyond. A few issues. One, we are... (laughs) See, that's just going to play into what I'm about to say, which is <laughs> we've decided to record these episodes on the last day together. So we're a little tired. All right. I'm, maybe I'm just projecting here. I'm tired. And then it's also, it's rained for like three straight days. This is like the perfect napping weather. That is true. Yeah. I have felt like at any given point over the last three days, I could have just curled up on the floor and taken a nap at any given point. (laughs) Yeah, it is the perfect napping weather. So, you know, you throw a few days of, I mean, we've we've got a lot done, you know, during our time together here. We've also had a few glasses of scotch, not this morning. (laughs) Just for people listening at home, it's like, it's before noon. So maybe a little early. No judgment. Yeah, no, you know, like if you're hanging out and it's 1030 in the morning, you're having your first glass, no judgment. So Power to you. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we were talking about scale today. All right. We're talking about basically spending money on Facebook. And so we're going to jump into, I'd say that this is probably one of the most asked about topics among our clients, among people who just have questions about running ads. I mean, it's, it's something I think that every business is trying to figure out, right? Because through scaling your business, you're, you know, multiplying impact, multiplying hopefully the dollars in your pocket, right? And trying to figure out how to maximize profit. So lots of questions around scale. So I'm excited to jump into this. And if you listen to any other our episodes, then you know we've referred back to this episode quite a bit. So let's jump in. And Ryan, I'm going to re-ask this question. What is scale? Scale. <laughs> Can you spell that, please? <laughs> I don't know why we had such a hard time defining scale. But I think, I mean, when I think of it, it's, it is a simple concept. It's spending more money with the hope of making more money on that bottom line. If you go back and listen to the last or the first episode on how to run a successful campaign, I don't remember what we called it. Sure. We'll fix that, but something <laughs> like that. Um, we talked about how, you know, you're focusing on your bottom line and not just that ROAS. And so scaling is spending more money with the hopes of increasing that bottom line profit that you're seeing coming from your ads. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of mental and emotional barriers to scale. And that's something that maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because you brought up a good example of clients, even ourselves, seeing the return on investment number decrease, right? As we're spending more money. But at the same time, if you look at how much we're profiting, it's still greater than when the number was higher. So maybe you can get into that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, what we basically reviewed in in that first episode was that as your budget goes up, typically your ROAS is going to go down. And ROAS is simply just the return on ad spend, not taking into consideration. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said, I I think I just said return on investment and that's what I meant was return on ad spend. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the difference between ROI and and return on ad spend is ROI usually takes in consideration expenses and other aspects of Mm -hmm. it. Return on ad spend is simply looking at your gross sales versus your actual ad spend. So if you spend a thousand dollars on Facebook and a month and you have $2,000 in revenue from those ads, then you have a 2x ROAS, a two times multiplier. So, but anyways, so as your ad spend starts going up, typically that ROAS is going to decrease. And if it's something that you're, you've been seeing for, 
any period of time, your initial reaction can kind of be to say, Ooh, I don't like seeing that ROAS number go down. I'd like for that to stay where it's at. Like let's scale back. Let's make sure we're doing things right. Well, really you need to be looking at that bottom line figure. So the example that we gave in the prior episode was if you're spending $10,000 and getting a 1.1 ROAS, well, that's a thousand dollars of profit. Whereas if you're spending $300 and maybe you're getting a 2X ROAS or even a 3X ROAS, that's still only $300 to $600 in profit that you're going to be seeing on that. Simple math at that point of, do you want a thousand dollars in your pocket or do you want $300 in your pocket? And really the differentiators, I guess the only barrier to that is how much risk you're willing to take on to see that. And when we talk about scaling on Facebook, I think a lot of people think I have to go from spending a thousand dollars to spending $10,000 mm. and that's not the case. And I think that is something that as we get into this conversation, knowing that you're able to mitigate your risk just based on like, Hey, I'm going to start scaling by 20% or by 10% and just start slowly scaling and making sure that the results follow that. So it's relatively safe as opposed to just jumping and say, throwing, you know, your life savings at something, hoping that it's going to work without any data to back it up yeah. or checkpoints along the way. And I think that's good segue into talking about when you should scale. I am excited to get to that topic of how you should actually go about scaling effectively because it can be tricky. You know, it's not a matter of, oh, I'm getting a 10x return on on Facebook. Now I'm going to increase my budget every three hours today <laughs> <laughs> by 100% or whatever, right? So Someone could figure that out, then they would be a very wealthy person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there is, you know, I think specific ways to go about it too, as you said, Jesse, uh, mitigate your risks. So when do you think that somebody should start to think about scale? Anytime. So there's, there's this, uh, this background that Ryan will put on our zoom calls when we're, you know, having team meetings or whatever, going over our clients and it just like flashes the word scale, 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 scale. (laughs) And he basically just has it on the entire meeting. Um, simply because from our perspective, if you're seeing really good results, at any point, it's a good opportunity. Hey, let's just start scaling and see if, you know, how much your industry can hold, how much your budget can increase while, you know, seeing a relatively good proportional results. Again, that ROAS could still come down and you're still making more money. So just making sure that we're managing that. But I think that we'd all agree that if you're seeing good results, really any time after that, it's a great time to scale. Yeah, absolutely. I think it goes back to the risk factor that you're talking about, Jesse, that the faster you scale, the the harder you scale in terms of the, the amount of scale potentially compounds it, makes it more risky, which can mean a higher return. But it's also on both sides of that. The more budget you spend, we're big believers in striking while the iron's hot because on Facebook, things can change really quickly. You can have one offer that's doing really well one week and then, you know, you know, a month or two later, it's not doing very well. Could be, you know, there's a million factors. It could be because there's an election coming up. It could be because Black Friday, you know, there's a million things that happen that can shift the algorithm for whatever reason. It could be there's an algorithm update, but there's the aspect of scaling quickly to try to take advantage of that. And then on the other side of it, it's not scaling too quickly to where you bombard the algorithm with not, you know, when it's not has enough learning to support that big of an audience increase and where the, the ROAS drops too much. So you have both sides of that coin. Yeah. Scaling, I think it's part science and it's also part art because there's just so many variables at play. It's You can try to predict it and you can try to project it forward, which are always good good uh, practices to do at a time. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot of gut feel and it is a lot of just art to the science too. Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of 
I mean, one of the things that goes into mitigating your risk is, you know, when you're scaling, you're going to check your results every day, right? <laughs> like it's not, it's not, you know, it's just some people are you just spending $25, $50 a day. You have a couple of bad days, like, yeah, nobody wants to lose a couple hundred dollars, but you're scaling all of a sudden you're spending thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook. You want to check your results every day. So maybe that's obvious. Maybe it wasn't, but if worth saying, I think. Well, absolutely. And it, it kind of flows into the point of checking what is your cash flow requirements for when you're scaling to, mm-hmm. depending on what you're trying to scale up is going to dictate how fast you can scale. If you're trying to scale a webinar funnel that has a 14 day return on your ad spend, so you're, you're spending money to get that webinar registration and then they may not be purchasing for two weeks later, it's a little bit harder to scale those up without taking on additional risk because you have that lag in there between the customer taking that mm-hmm. action. Even more so as like SaaS companies that have a 30 day trial mm-hmm. or, you know, they're looking at, Hey, we want to break even on month two or month three, even on that 30 day uh, credit card hit after that 30 day trial, the cash flow as that gets longer, the more risk you take on. And that's where scaling slowly and consistently is almost always going to be the safer bet for a lot of those kinds of companies. Yeah. And that's just a decision that you're going to have to make on a company by company basis. Real quick on the other side of that though, there's like educational or digital product companies where they see the immediate return and we can start scaling immediately because we know, oh, we're driving traffic direct to a sales page where they can buy a product, mm-hmm. not even digital, but it could be physical products. Well, we have a handful of e-com products, uh, companies that we work with where we see immediate results and we get really immediate feedback. So it's, there are both sides of the, those uh, spectrums. So I, I'm guessing that we all know the answer to this question, but posing in any ways how we should evaluate scaling and the results that we're getting and when we should continue to keep moving forward. Maybe when we feel like, okay, we've hit a certain plateau and we just need to stay there as we figure other stuff out. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you can look at the numbers like we were talking about, looking at the ROAS, looking at your bottom line, looking at how your metrics have shifted as you're reaching this larger audience. I think those are all things that you, you can evaluate. But again, it goes back to that bottom line. So if you see that bottom line is, is maybe not what you want, then you can start thinking about audiences. You can start thinking about how do I need to change my creative to reach this broader audience? Do I now need to maybe include a new step in my funnel that I didn't need before because it was such a warm audience, but now I'm going to a colder audience? So I think there's there's a lot of aspects to scaling. But again, it, if the one way you want to evaluate it is that bottom line increasing as a result of the scale or is it not? And if it's not, then that's definitely your red flag that you may need to pump the brakes a little bit or change something up in your tactics. Yeah, I think there's a, a good little follow up question there, which is, you know, getting into the mechanics of actually scaling and whether that should be done within the ad set itself, like the existing ad that's being run, or whether we're going to be duplicating ad sets and creating new campaigns, even getting into maybe percentage of scale per day, what we see as kind of the upper limits of that, how much we want to start pouring into a given campaign that's getting good results. But, you know, as we said, not necessarily doing it every three hours. Yeah. Right. I think before we let Ryan get into the uh, technical aspects of that, I think one thing that's going to really plan in this conversation is where your starting budget is at. Mm. If you're starting at $10 a day, you could probably jump to a hundred dollars a day and have that 10 X without shocking the algorithm too much. You may have like a couple day where there's a big dip in results, but it'll catch up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas going from a thousand to $10,000 a day is probably not a good idea. And so looking at where you're starting plays a big role in this conversation. Sure. Sure. Well, and that's why we always try to recommend going at least $50 a day. Cause if you're at $10 a day, you may not ever be escaping that 
learning phase within Facebook anyways. So it's, you might as well go ahead and just, you're basically starting from scratch. You're not scaling totally. when you go up to a hundred dollars. Sure. So. <laughs> sure. So for somebody who has a pretty healthy budget on Facebook and we have clients who spend tens of thousands of dollars a month, right? When we are seeing results that we like, really, how are we, how are we going about that? What are some of the different tactics that we'd use just in terms of maybe increasing a budget by a certain percentage or maybe duplicating and creating new campaigns? Yeah. I mean, on the, on the budget front, 20% has kind of always been the old adage of 20% a day is still fairly aggressive scale, I would say, because compounding that 20%, you're going to be doubling and tripling budgets in a matter of a week. If you carry it out a couple of weeks, we'll recommend clients will do 20% a day, 20% a week. It, it really depends on how urgent it is on their end to acquire these additional customers mm-hmm. through scale. If they've got time and it's not urgent, 20% a week is always a good a good mark. But you can go as hard and as fast as you want. It's just that risk is increasing with that. Well, one good example of people that for, like need to force that spend is like webinar or live launches mm-hmm. where you start to see really good results, but you're on a very strict time crunch where you're looking at, okay, well, we're seeing great results do we want to double down on these results knowing that we may need to scale back a little bit because we pushed it too hard? Right. And once you're getting at those higher levels too, the learning phase is something people are always worried about is like, oh, if I go too much, I'm going to reset the learning phase. Well, once you get into those higher budgets, you may reset the learning phase. But if you're optimizing for a $3 webinar registration, you might get 50 registrations in half a day. Right. (laughs) And so you're out of that learning phase already. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to scaling monetarily, but also from a, just a learning standpoint on Facebook, the more, more money you're able to feed them, the more data they're able to collect and the better they're able to optimize your account most of the time. Yeah. All good, good stuff in there. As far as creating new ad sets, working new stuff in because we have existing stuff that's doing well, do you have any tips for doing that? I don't know what, what, how else to elaborate on that. <laughs> how else to elaborate on that question? Obviously, you don't want to turn off the right. stuff that's doing it's well. It's kind of like two tips and they're sort of in tension with each other. But one sure. is don't ever mess with something that's working. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen that happen where we, we tweak something that the tweak shouldn't have impacted the results. But then for whatever reason, algorithm didn't like that yeah. and results go down. So don't ever mess with something that's working. But in the same breath, don't ever not do something that's a good idea because you're afraid to break something. Sure. Yeah. So like a, probably a good example of this is when you're scaling, you know, you probably want to be testing new creative or new copy options. And our general rule is we scale what's working and we add new creative on top of that. We're not turning off anything that, that has been working. We're kind of doing it in conjunction with that and testing against the results that we've been seeing. Because if we're letting Facebook make that decision, the new creative is not going to get any spend. And so sometimes we have to force that spend through a very different reasons. And Ryan can talk about that. I think that's important. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like Jesse said, if you throw a brand new creative in with a long, long running campaign, it's just going to get pushed to the bottom and not see any delivery. So oftentimes we'll force spend on that through either minimum budgets at the ad set level, through throwing them in, in their own campaigns, split test. There's a bunch of different ways that you can go about doing that. But the general takeaway is just that you want to you want to warm up that new content before it goes in with your more long running stuff. Yeah. And along those lines, we want to talk about vertical scaling versus horizontal scaling. Yeah. I mean, I think that from a technical aspect, there used to be a huge push to just duplicate ad, spe- um, ad sets 
across a hundred different audiences and split those audiences down a little bit smaller. And you're scaling that way from the technical aspect of it. I think that another big opportunity for people is from the offers perspective, scaling horizontally by, you know, if you have a shop with a hundred products, instead of running a lot of ads to the shop in general, you can be running a lot of ads to specific products or categories of products and scaling that way. And, and really forcing ad spend on each individual product. What you're doing is basically getting data on like, Hey, what's the best product from the top end funnel? What are people like, what's that quote unquote gateway product that people are going to get into your brand, be willing to try new products and buy new product, get them on your email list, get them prepped for black Friday, those customers having a special customer sale, you know, allows you to do a lot of things when you're getting those people. And even if it's not as quite a big of a row as upfront, if your cost per purchase or cost per customer acquisition is low enough, it makes a lot of sense that way. So you have a lot of different opportunities to scale horizontally without just like saying, all right, I'm going to increase my budget and Mm -hmm. scale vertically that way. And I think that that way as well allows you to learn a lot of data that's really valuable. So I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I think they both work well in conjunction with each other. Maybe especially as you've hit maybe give different plateaus when it comes to vertical scaling. 100%. So if you hit a wall, I can't spend more than $1,000 a day because my ROAS dips too much. So, you know, you scale back and then you try to scale horizontally to continue to grow in that way instead. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I was just going to say there's a lot of different levers that you can pull when you're scaling. So that's definitely one of them and a big one. Yeah. So the last thing, the last note that I've here to chat about, but we can definitely bring up a few things. I think there's some things that came up earlier in the conversation that we could follow up on a little bit, but is scaling lead gen. And I think that we see a few different types of people, or we come across a few different types of people on one end of the spectrum. And I think we joked about this in another episode, but brand awareness, you know, and I asked you Ryan about how much we're spending on, uh, on brand awareness, uh, <laughs> across much. all of our clients. Yeah, not much. And then on the other side of that, people who just, they don't want to do any sort of lead gen. They want to just run ads straight to their product. Right. And I think on the one hand, it's like kind of being scared of maybe asking for anything at all, we're a very brand heavy business. We just kind of want to be friends with everybody and whatever. And then on the other side, like, you know, I don't care about email addresses. I don't want to be emailing people or whatever it might be. I just want to run stuff straight to my product. So maybe we can talk about scaling lead gen a little bit. Yeah. So I think that when we talk about scaling lead gen, I think that there's a lot of, there are a lot of prerequisites to this conversation. One is we're not scaling lead gen with no back end of the funnel. Like, Mm. you know, we can't just scale lead gen you know, unless you're just selling leads, there's really like no upside. If you're just, I want to grow my email list for the sake of growing my email list. It doesn't make sense. So where we look at this and kind of the big prerequisite here is looking and and knowing your number of how much a lead is worth to you. The easy way to figure that out, and this isn't an exact science necessarily, but it'll give you a general uh, number that's going to be relatively accurate is you take your total money that you've made in the lifetime of your business. And then you look at the total number of leads that have come to your business. You can include customers in that as well, obviously. And and then we just divide that number and looking at how much is each one of those contacts, each one of those leads worth to you. And then, you know, if you wanted to get a little bit more in depth, you, the next kind of stat that you want to look at is how long it takes someone to make a purchase from lead to purchase. That can be a little bit harder to get depending on what system that you're on, but that first number should get you a reasonable estimate there. And, you know, your gut knowing your business you'll have an idea of how long that takes, even if it's not exact for them to actually become a customer. But once you have that number, let's say a lead is worth $50 to you in the long run over the lifetime of their interaction with your business, their customer journey with you. Then we know, okay, if we can spend less than $5 to get a lead over the lifetime of that lead, they're going to be 10 X to you. They're going to be worth 10 times the amount that you spent to them. And 
there has never been a company that we've worked with, especially over a long period of time where we're spending money on leads and we're consistently doing that, that they do not see very consistent growth year over year, simply because they are doubling down and they're scaling that lead campaign, knowing that in the long run, they are going to see that. Now, there are some cash flow considerations to, you know, like we mentioned, looking at how long that money comes back to you. But that's where, you know, we look at something where we're not scaling simply that one campaign by itself. We're scaling that in conjunction with purchase campaigns and hopefully getting an immediate return as well. And then we're getting those leads as well for the long term. So they'll start to compound. So we're getting the immediate ROAS. And then on top of that, we're building campaigns and leads that are going to be purchasing organically from you two months, three months, six months from now. And once we start getting that snowball effect, like that's where you start to see some really big spikes. You know, we've had customers mm. that when they started working with us, were at a column $300,000 a year business. And now they're looking at, you know, multiple seven figures. And the lead gen, I think has a big piece sure. of that aspect. We wouldn't do anything only for the brand awareness factor. Sure. But when you are running a lead gen and you're, or you're running direct to, to purchase, you're benefiting from that brand awareness as well. So you get to double up on that. Yeah. It's the best kind of brand awareness because you're requiring somebody to take it action. And as a result of that action, they get to experience your business in some way. Whereas like brand awareness in and of itself, often very passive, maybe just it's like the equivalent of just seeing a billboard for a business. Right. So Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? If we have any listeners from Pepsi or Coca-Cola out there, brand awareness is great, but for uh, everybody else, <laughs> sure, sure, your money's probably better spent elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. If, you have, if you have a massively mass market product and you have a massive budget to put behind it and your product is something that they're going to see and be able to buy basically anytime they're at a store. Anywhere uh, in the world. Anywhere in the world. Okay. Like that can make sure. sense, but that's yeah. few and far between for most businesses. Yeah. I think the point we're trying to make is that to get the most for your money, right? Even if brand awareness is important to you, you might as well be doing lead gen as well because it's going to. So anyways, something else that I wanted to add to that as well, and I think it's just another good episode is to actually dig into lead gen a little bit more. I would say we all think it's one of the most important, if not the most important campaign that we can be running for consistent results over a long period of time. There's, you know, of course, as there always are exceptions to that. But I just think, as you mentioned, Jesse, especially if you have tapped out of that warm audience, having had done lead gen for a while, you're consistently building that warm audience, I guess, so that you don't ever truly tap out of it. So I think there's a lot of value in talking more about lead gen just in general. Future episode or right now? Future episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're hitting, we're hitting our, you know, not that we have a deadline here, but trying to keep things to, to about 30 minutes. So anything else? I mean, I'd come back to looking at like the strength of Facebook and Instagram or really paid advertising in general is the biggest benefit and the biggest differentiator between that and other aspects of advertising that are a little bit more traditional is just scale. Like you have so many people in one place and you have the ability to really get in front of like so many of the right people that if scaling isn't on the table, or it's not a conversation that you're having, you're missing out on the reason why Facebook and Instagram work so well for so many businesses. And so, you know, even if it's something that you never really thought about, a lot of people say, oh, I know I have a marketing budget of X and you're not willing to have that conversation to grow above that. You're really giving yourself a ceiling that doesn't need to be there. And so being willing to just have that conversation of looking at, well, why is that ceiling there? Why is my marketing budget there? Am I willing to spend more if I'm willing to make more? And sometimes it's just a matter of, I've never thought about it and you just need to 
to change it. Yeah. And other times it's, oh, well, it's because these reasons, really looking at those reasons and seeing, okay, how can I make up for that to make that not quite as risky while at the same time being able to take advantage of the biggest strength that Facebook and Instagram specifically has to offer you. Sure. Two sort of unrelated notes too, to close on that just kind of came to mind. One, when we were talking about lead gen that I wanted to bring up was people who are hesitant about getting into advertising in general. One of the great things about lead gen and one of the reasons that we want to, or that we start with that campaign. I mean, there's all sorts of benefits, but just to point that even if, even if they decide Facebook advertising isn't for them, they can always sell to those leads right? So it's like, regardless of how this experience goes with paid advertising, you now have these leads that you can sell to for as long as you have their active contacts on your list of whatever list that is. The other thing too, is just the few situations where scaling just doesn't make sense for a company or there is a barrier to scale other than cost. So like thinking about some companies who they can only handle a certain amount of clients at a time. Mm -hmm. And so that's always going to be sort of a natural built-in barrier to sure, we could probably spend more money and get them more results, but it's going to result in just absolute anarchy, chaos, you know, on the back end for them. Well, a great example of that is, you know, we worked with some consultants that don't want to build a team of Mm -hmm. consultants. They don't want to build a team of people that are going to be working and taking clients of their own. And so like, you know, the next logical step for a lot of people is to create one to many products, but some people just don't want to do that. They like what they're doing and that's just the business that they've decided to make, but it's not that they never thought about it. It just, they made that conscious decision, which is, that's all we ask. Just think about it. But there are going to be people that have that natural ceiling and that's where lead gen can really like hedge their bets against, let's say Facebook goes down for a month for some reason. They have all those leads to be able to then market to those people without having to go dark. Yeah. And future webinars. We'll hopefully have one of our a specific client as a podcast guest here in the future and talking about her webinar funnel, even if somebody doesn't sign up in that specific launch, she's doing launches all year long. So all of those leads who don't convert in that given launch, they're still getting her emails in the next launch, right? And so even though there's probably maybe a cap to, you know, how many clients she can take on at a given time, those are future clients in the bank, hopefully down the road. Absolutely. All right, cool. We still haven't figured out a way to end these. I'm just pressing different buttons. That's spooky. Yeah, that's not a great way to we'll end. Just it end is, it. We'll just end with that. Yeah, <laughs> it is a good, good way. <laughs> it is a good Halloween themed, you know, and we're coming up on Halloween here. We are. So, cool. All right. Peace. Peace.